Kia and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and you're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're speaking with Caro Jensen, one of the founders of SIPNZ, who established Rosé Day here in New Zealand about eight years ago. So right now, let's go have a chat with Caro. Hi, Caro. Hi, Boris. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for coming on the uh, podcast and taking the time. Thanks for having me. Um, really appreciate that and you're going to talk to us about rosé day but before we get to that maybe just starting on um, how your uh, journey into wine started and how did that all come about for you to be where you are today sure yeah um it all started in 2016 uh, 2006 actually um i came to new zealand as a uni student and did a internship at new zealand wine growers and I was their first ever intern. And I did an internship in the marketing department and wrote my thesis about New Zealand uh, wine in the German market, helped out in the department and just sort of got got involved in the New Zealand wine industry that way. And that's sort of where it all started. And yeah, where I really also fell in love with wine um, because I'm from Germany. And up until then, I was very much a beer drinker and raised as a beer drinker. Right. So um it was a bit of a sharp shift, but yeah, it was definitely an interesting entry. Um, in the, at that time, the industry was just growing heaps and they had their first really big harvests and they were faced with a lot of challenges. And yeah, it was an interesting time to sort of join the industry. So when are we talking? When was this? 2006. 2006. Yeah. So okay. I think 2008 was the, was the really big harvest, the first okay. one, but yeah, it was sort yeah. of really, really ramping up at that time. And yeah, so interesting time to, to join the team. Had, <laughs> had you already done your thesis and did you say you brought that with you or did you do that? No, I completed it here. So I did my oh, research okay. and they connected me with a, I was, um, in contact with a UK office and, um, yeah, I sort of did the thesis here and, um, did my research as I was doing my internship. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. Cool. Okay. So yeah. that was, as you said, you've been a beer drinker up until then. So you were sort of thrown into the, thrown yes. in the wine industry. So what made you take an internship with New Zealand Wine then? Like what um, what was the connection there for you? What had you been studying? Well, yeah, I studied marketing and business and yeah. I wanted to go overseas and get some overseas experience and I loved New Zealand. And um, I thought, oh, what's New Zealand good at? Because I want to enter an industry that they are leading in um, yeah. and it wasn't farming. And so I thought, oh, you know, wine sounds quite good. And I offered my services at the time for very little money and they thought okay. it was a great deal. So Yeah, no, that's uh, good. Yeah. Um, so you came out here looking to do your, looking to do your thesis uh, in marketing and knew that wine was becoming pretty big in New Zealand, so thought that might be a a good target for you. Yes. Yeah. I worked out. <laughs> yeah, okay. And so that just got you sort of immediately or, you know, doing that got you interested in wine. You started sort of trying what you were writing about. and <laughs> Yeah, um, it was it, they had the export certification tastings at wine growers. I think they yeah. still do. And there's always obviously a lot of open, uh, open bottles. And, yeah, so there's a lot of tasting going on. And, um, yeah, I, um, I just remembering trying a whole lot of save at the time. And yeah, just, just really sort of got interested in all the differences and also just the work that they were doing, you know, trying to bring 
wine from such a small nation into the world and um, also doing a premium positioning from a marketing point of view it was just really interesting and and we were lovely people to work with and yeah so it was uh, was a great experience yeah cool okay and mm. so where were you based with them where was that where were we there uh, in town in in Auckland in, in Auckland. there in yeah Auckland. in the Simon okay. Street office at the time yeah okay okay and you know any any sort of varietals in particular started jumping out for you about what you it was a lot of save just of to, save. you know, yeah. it was an easy entry for me. Mm. And yes, I was definitely a lot of save that I had at the time. I, I found Pinot a bit challenging at the time. And um, yeah, yeah, I just really just an, an entry into wine. Yeah. yeah so it was, yeah, uh, sure. it was very, yeah, very entry level. <laughs> yeah, good. And so that was yeah. successful for you. There was, a, you, you came out okay with the thesis in the end? Yes, yeah. So I got a got a good grade for the thesis and went home to finish my studies and met a Kiwi in the meantime and uh, right. you know came back and uh, yeah. stayed for good. So yeah, yeah, that definitely helped to draw me back to New Zealand after I um, finished my studies. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and what what did you do then when you when you came back? Did you sort of? Get I uh, joined a small producer in Matakana and mm-hmm. as a marketing assistant and export assistant, and mm-hmm. there I really got stuck in the big end of the winemaking and the uh, all the um the operations uh, yeah. from ordering labels to you know like the bottling plants and <laughs> all sorts. Okay. So yeah. it was it was really good to have a really hands on role where I had to just uh, go ahead and and just learn everything from scratch and harvest was on and you had to help out and it was yeah. just a really good role to get a really good understanding of how wine is made and yeah. what's all involved from you know growing the grapes to actually selling it at an event yourself so uh, yeah. it was a perfect experience yeah yeah nice yeah with a mm. with a smaller producer you it's uh yes. you got to, got to do everything pretty much everything yeah. yes and it was it was excellent experience and um yeah i really enjoyed it and i did a I did a, a wine course at the time to just sort of get a bit more knowledge about what I'm trying to market and sell. And yeah, so that was, um, it was, okay. it was, it was good. Yeah. 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 I enjoyed how long, it. And how long were you doing that for? How long did that? Uh, probably two, two years, two and a half years, I think. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Cool. And then I went on to, um, to the UK. So I went to a wine market research company in London because I wanted to experience a wine trade over there as well and just spent a bit more time in Europe. And that was great experience as well because we're a very young team. They were really leading in the wine marketing research. They were working with multinational wineries and companies. So it was a whole another level of experience of seeing the in-depth market research being done on, on real FMCG products being sort of produced rather than sort of the crafty romantic, um, tasting room back in New Zealand. Yeah. And working with the Tesco's and shelf positioning, all that sort of stuff. And it was just right. really interesting to, to see the other end of the spectrum. And I learned yeah. a lot. And yeah, it was just being in the wine trade in, in London. It's just, there's a tasting on pretty much every night. And we were a bunch of young people just, you know, all loving wine from all parts of the world. And yeah, we had a really good time. Yeah, great, great. Well, that, mm. that's, you know, pretty much two opposite ends of the spectrum, isn't it? From a small yes. producer in Matakana to, to doing that in, in London. Yes, yeah, it was definitely a bit of a culture shock. Also in New Zealand, it's all sort of so laid back and, you know, there's no hierarchy. You have the lunch with the winemaker and all that sort of stuff where in the UK it is a bit more, in Europe it's a bit more formal and the wine trade is, you know, like it's a bit more conservative. So it's an interesting experience, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, and so how long did you spend in London? 
Um, about a year, year and a half, I think. Yeah. So it was, uh, and then we came back, back to New Zealand. So while I was in, in London, I was approached by New Zealand winery, a big family owned winery. If I want to do their brand management. And so, yeah, it was a really good role that I couldn't sort of pass up. And so I, I cut my, my time a little bit short in, in, in London and came back to New Zealand to, to take on the role. And, and yeah, again, big learning curve, a brand management position at that time. But yeah, sort of, I, I grew into it and a lot of work, but it really, um, I enjoyed it. It was yeah, probably one of the um, most exciting parts of, of working in the wine industry. I think it was very fast paced and yeah. yeah. Who was that? Can you say? Uh, that was at Villa Maria. Yeah. At Villa Maria. Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Mm. Cool. Okay. And did a few years with them then? Yes, I did. So I j- jumped around a bit in the marketing department. So I started with brand management and then I uh, did PR manager, was their PR manager. And then I sort of created, they created a new role for me because I was really interested in digital marketing with social media sort of starting to ramp up. And I always had sort of a passion for the social side and the uh, digital marketing, um, activities so yeah so i became the digital marketing uh, manager and yeah so that there was there was like three three years i think of um yeah a lot of work but very exciting products we uh, projects we did like a global brand refresh and 50th anniversary and a book launch and yeah so there were some really big pro- projects in there and that's how i met emily actually <laughs> so we worked together and yeah we had um, a very good working relationship and led us on to the next step, I guess. <laughs> okay. And so the next thing after that was, was working with Emily was SIP. and SIP. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Emily and I were actually both going on maternity leave and both wanting to do something else part time. And we decided to, um, to create SIP, uh, SIP New Zealand wine, which was started out as a wine blog to create content around New Zealand wineries. Um, and then on the back of that, very quickly we picked up contract work, creating marketing projects for wineries. And yeah, so we, uh, we sort of had a few years doing that and you know have great friendship and working relationship and yeah it was a lot of fun yeah cool okay and so you got to work across Mm. a range of different different wineries yes yeah so we worked worked for regional bodies and multinational companies and boutique producers from uh, creating brands and social media strategies um creating websites online shops and newsletter newsletter programs and yeah so we sort of did we both have quite a quite a broad skill set when it comes to marketing. So we, we were able with a wine focus, we're able to offer a lot of services with other freelancers as well, which was, uh, yeah. So we were very nimble and, and sort of got things very quickly off the ground, which people really appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Mm. Okay. And there would have been, yeah. I suppose, lot, lots of opportunity, lots happening during that time. Well, you know, still, yes. Yeah. It is, yeah. And that's how New Zealand Rose Day came about, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, that's uh, the next step because uh, as we were working with wineries, we really felt that they needed a bit of a hand getting into the social space. And, um, and overseas, we were seeing, um, a lot of, um, the wine trend or, you know, the rose trending and, um, growing overseas very quickly. It was a time when this yes way rose, rose all day <laughs> started overseas. And we felt like in the New Zealand wine industry that there was a bit of a pushback on rose from a producer and traditional wine media site. Um, and there was a bit of a disconnect where, Consumers were excited about it and wanted to know more about it. And we saw a real opportunity, yet the producers sort of 
probably we're more, it's a bit more of a byproduct. Yeah, we have it. We're not really that thrilled about it. Um, and we sort of felt like we need to sort of bring them together. And by having the platform of wine lovers, as well as, as well as a lot of clients, um, we sort of brought them together with a New Zealand rose campaigns. And that's how it all started, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was interesting that at that time, uh, it was considered probably a, a lesser wine, wasn't it? Mm. Here, here in New Zealand. Whereas, my understanding is that in you know places like France that it is you know has a much higher profile and um respect if that's the right word as a as a yeah. wine as a wine style um than it did at the time here um but mm. that, you know I think that's um as you've alluded to cha- has changed quite a bit in the last few years mm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, um, co- competitions didn't even have rosé categories. Wine yeah. writers weren't keen to review the rosé wines. Wineries yeah. weren't really keen to talk about the rosé wines. So it was, it was definitely, uh, something that, yeah, we needed to sort of bridge a gap a little bit. And mm. yeah, that's what we tried to do really over the last eight years. And yeah. I think yeah. we have successfully done that. Of course, it's not just our <laughs> kudos how it's grown. But it has definitely, you know, established itself as a mainstream wine and wineries are very keen to produce it and, you know, mm. add it to the portfolio and um, definitely not hiding behind it anymore, which is great. No, no. And it's, uh, you know, in my mind, uh, you know, completely uh, legitimate wine style and um, particularly in New Zealand summer cuisine has a, a real place. Uh, mm. A lot of things, a lot of foods that we eat. Uh, not only over summer, but you know, particularly in summer, uh, around barbecues and things, just go really well with a with a lovely rosé. Yes, mm. yeah, mm. and um, I think that wineries um, have a real opportunity to getting new wine drinkers into the category with it. Mm. Um, we always, our philosophy at SIP was always to be really approachable and um, talk to people in you know normal words about wine because it can be so intimidating. And we wanted to, for it, we positioned wine always a bit more as a lifestyle product and focused more on the approachable wines and, um, wines, you know, for, for good value wines. Um, mm. and yeah, I think wineries sort of, um, now have definitely understood that it's uh, a segment that's worth going after. But I think um, with a lot of other drinks companies creating new products, um, if you do offer a rosé, although it might not be your flagship wine, it might just get that person into wine and then you trade them up into the safe or into the Pinot Grey and before you know it, they're drinking your $50 bottle of Pinot Noir if you, you know, if you mm. sort of bring them up in your marketing funnel. So um, I think it's definitely something about that. And, um, and also it's doesn't, it doesn't sit very long in bottle. It's, it's a profitable thing. People don't, are not really worried about the blend or, um, even the vintage on it as long as it tastes crisp and delicious. And so I think from a, from a winery point of view, with being able to use a whole lot of grape varietals in it, it's a, it's a great product. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's an interesting thing too, isn't it? That, um, uh, you know, I, 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 have more started asking what varietal it is in the rosé just because I'm interested. And, yeah. And it has surprised me that um, I think I just had one just the other day was a Tempranillo. Um, you know, there's all sorts that you can get mm. uh, in rosé. And I think that's nice also for people to then understand that that means there can be, there can be quite a wide 
uh, variety of, of, of styles uh, in a rosé. It doesn't have to mm. be anything in, in particular. Um, and almost every winery can make one. So you have 616 small New Zealand wineries. Mm. So it's not only for a few people in the right climate to make a Pinot Noir. You can make a rosé pretty much wherever you're based. So um, mm. you can respond to that consumer demand from where almost wherever you are. And, I mean, mm. that's that, that's very appealing. Mm. And when we started, it was quite interesting because in 2016 when we started, the rosés were a lot more uh, diverse. And the colors were all over the show, the, the sweetness levels, the grape varieties, all the styles. And there were some also quite average ones in there, to be honest. But over the years, um, yeah, I think that the crisp, dry Pinot Noir based has certainly in New Zealand um, become sort of the preferred style and um, sort of mimicking the Provence um, look and feel, I guess, of it. Okay. Um, so okay. there's a lot less variety. Hmm? Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. So it's gone gone more sort of down a, a – so, and what do you think – is that because that's what the market's wanting, that style of rosé, and, and they're following that, or is it just a, that that's what – we can grow well here or a winemaker preference or we, you know, what's led it down that in that direction, do you think? I think it's a bit of both. Probably what you can grow. I mean, there's a whole lot of Pinot Noir being grown around the country in comparison to others. Um, but also, um, yeah, I think it's just what, uh, what the market, um, understands. Yeah. So I think in this, um, communicating to a wine drinker, it's a Pinot Noir based Pinot Gris is a lot easier than Tempranillo or, mm. um, some other sort of more left field variety that they're probably not familiar with. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So mm. losing, so going down the path of losing the sweetness and mm. the, the, you know, sort of full on fruitiness out of the, out of the rosés that we might have used to experience here in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a few more savoury styles around, mm -hmm. which they weren't um, a few years back. Um, but overall, I would say it's more of a uniform portfolio of New Zealand rosé that's, that's sort of almost to a point where I think we sort of, some people have to get a little bit more, um, yeah, experimental maybe, I guess. Chris, um, yeah. sort of, <laughs> I think they are definitely still a whole lot of varietals around. But I think um, there's, yeah, it, it would be a shame if it's all basically the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's certainly certainly my feeling. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, just sort of talking off the top of my head here, whether that's uh, it has maybe happened before with New Zealand styles as well, whether we went down that path with Chardonnay where it was, you know, super oaky and everyone seemed to be doing that, um, you know, bar a few. And now it's maybe become gone back to being a little bit more diversified as to what styles, what styles you can find. And, uh, yeah, maybe that's, um, maybe that's the trend that, that happens, you know, with, with new offerings. Um, people start, you know, people look for where the, where, where it should be positioned or how they think it should be positioned and then maybe drift back into being a bit, a little bit more, you know, adventurous, adventurous, um, and experimental, mm. as you say, into, um, into trying, trying a few different things. And, uh, and maybe as the market sort of becomes familiar with a style, a, a style and then is start, is then is prepared also to look for other, other options, branch out mm. further. Mm. We'd hope so anyway. <laughs> yes, well, I know that definitely the wineries like down south that, that sort of have a have a rosé that's an iconic rosé. It's just a little bit more residual sugar, and it is very very uh, popular because of that, mm. because because there aren't any 
um, roses left that are basically not bone dry. That's obviously a huge generalization, but yeah. overall the trend is towards very, very dry, um, rose wines. So you mm. can actually, um, you know, take that as an advantage and cr- create something different and then yeah. stand out and yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And so what is, what does Rose Day mean for you then? What's, um, what, what, what's, what's your involvement in, in this? Yeah. So over the past, it's been really full on because you had to really educate the wine trade, the media, the restaurants, the retailers, the consumers about what we're actually trying to do. So, I mean, the, it has sort of, um, the workload sort of has gone down over the years as people are more on board with it and, and wineries and retailer restaurants and regional bodies have sort of embraced it and, and taking it, um, basically out to market for us in a way over the years. Um, in the beginning, it was very much, um, yeah, there were a lot of guides involved and a lot of content that we shared and uh, competitions and um, a lot of PR work to to get the word out there. But um, we also teamed up with wineries to to feature them on our channels and connect them with the media, and um, which I'm not doing anymore. So it's really just uh, for love of New Zealand rosé. Uh, where I put my PR hat on and every year I sort of liaise with stakeholders and media and just um, get the word out and then the wineries sort of pick it up from there and create their own activations and market and the media um, gives gives it a bit of airtime um, as they're like the um, they're like a bit of an occasion to work towards. And that's why we did it. We tried it making it a rose week, but we found a rose day, just one purchase occasion just works really well. Um, and yeah, it's on white hangy weekend. It's the middle of summer and, um, we're always one day just before white hangy day. And, um, yeah, it sort of seems to resonate with consumers and it hopefully gets a few more wine lovers uh, through the cellar doors. Um, yeah. So we're just hoping to, um, that we can do, well, you know, I can do my bit to, to help the industry along a bit here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you've, you've found that, uh, having done that work over the previous years that now it's it's got a foothold and it's got its own momentum both yep. in, within the wine industry within winemakers and, and also the media awareness of hey this is what happens every year and uh, this yes. is what it means okay yeah and i mean i depending on how much other client work i have on i i've spent more time on it or less um but i'm also using it as a as a way to just try new things because it is such a lifestyle category like this year i'm gonna focus heavily on tiktok and youtube shorts um so i always try to sort of be a little bit a step ahead of what wineries are doing and just showcasing them um hopefully a few new avenues of you know um uh, what might work for them as well. And, um, I just think it's always important to keep an eye on where are the consumers and not what we have done in the past worked and, um, keep repeating the same thing. Um, it is definitely shifting and, um, video is where it's at. Um, and yeah, so it's the content changes over time. The platforms change, but the message hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely opportunity to, to just, yeah, put New Zealand Rose in the spotlight and actually to a point that even Australia is keen to join in. So there was a lot of chatter last year about, um, them wanting to, a few wine influencers over there wanting to join in given the date of it because there's an international Rose day, but it's in June and, um, which, um, doesn't make that much sense to, <laughs> to us down here. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it would be exciting to make it, um, in Australasia. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Okay. Oh, thing over a while. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and as you say, good to be trying out new spaces. I mean, you know, anything in marketing that's using social media and technology is constantly evolving and changing, isn't it? So yep. um, if you're able to test out those areas and help the winemakers with where things are going, that's um, that's invaluable, I would have thought. And mm. and so what's involved on the day? What sort of things can, if people are listening to the podcast, what sort of things can they um, be expecting? Sort of promotions out from wineries, I suppose, and maybe yeah. some events? So retailers typically run um, newsletter promotions and install promotions and leading up um, to stock up for, for Rosé, um, as well as wineries. Um, online shops are usually some great offers coming through, so people can uh, keep an eye on that. And then on the day, we always encourage people to visit wineries if they can. Often in the tasting rooms, they have special Rosé tastings on or even food and wine matches. Um, and uh, otherwise, just, you know, open a bottle of New Zealand Rosé and um, and might put an Instagram or TikTok about it and use the New Zealand Rosé Day hashtag um, so we can share it as well and everybody can join in um, or just throw a whole Rosé party, a Rosé lunch, um, Rosé barbecue, go get on the boat and, and, and have a glass of wine. It's, yeah, I hope, hope the weather is good and everybody can have a bit of fun and support the local um, New Zealand wine industry. Yeah, fantastic. That, that's really cool. All right. Um, good. Well, you know, I don't need um, too much encouragement. So, yeah, I think. <laughs> I'll, I'll, Which rosé are you going to have? Well, What's yeah. your favourite New Zealand rosé? That's uh, throwing a question back at me. My favourite New Zealand rosé. Um, gosh, that's always a tricky one. I mean, I do like the drier style of, of rosé. Um, mm. And I'm just trying to remember. I think. Um, Oh, uh, no, I think <laughs> I'm going to say the one I, I, I just referred to previously, the Tempranillo one. I think that's uh, the Unico Zello guys, and I think they're out of Australia, aren't they? It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> all out. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> um, but, no, there's a lot of, I think, um, there's a couple from Waiheke that um, I enjoy, I think. Um, I think Man of War do one, don't they? Is that right? Mm, Is that? Yeah. yeah. I think um, – I think they're one I quite like, and then maybe there's a couple from down south as as well. Um, just trying to remember. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I sent you a list. You can yeah. choose from. Yeah, I sent you a okay. list of yeah, my top. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and I think um, Q Wines have done one for a while, haven't they? That's quite. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Lots of them. Lots, Lots of them. Yeah, about 600 of them, I'm sure. 500. <laughs> 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 plenty, plenty for plenty more rosé days. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Mm. Oh, that's great. Hey, um, thanks, Caro. Thanks for coming on and um, taking the time. I appreciate that. Yes, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. No, that's good. Great to great to hear your story, and uh, we'll look forward to um, participating in, in rosé day. Perfect. Thank you very much. Cool. All right. Bye for now. Bye. We've been speaking with Caro Jensen, one of the founders of Sip NZ, who about eight years ago helped establish Rose Day here in New Zealand. If you'd like to find out more about Rose Day, you can go to nzwine.com, 
and they have an article there about Rosé Day 2023. And be sure to check out some of the other New Zealand wine podcasts about other people and things happening in the wine industry here in New Zealand and go to podcast.nz for other podcasts on New Zealand topics. Be sure to follow the New Zealand Wine Podcast on Instagram and we look forward to your company again very shortly. Matewa, bye for now.